This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Well, my name is Mo, one of the pastors here. So glad that you are with us today. And over the past several months, we've gone through uh, the book of John. If you're new to Conduit, we like to take a book and dissect it and go verse at a time, chapter at a time, all the way through. Sometimes we do that in a couple months. Sometimes we do that in a couple years. Um, Right now, we're at about a six-month clip on the book of John. So we're about halfway there. So we're doing okay. We're doing okay. Chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, would you open to chapter 8? We're going to start in verse 31 today as we're going to try to finish out chapter 8. But before we do that, I want to tell just a quick story. I don't know what you were doing in 1998, but I was a a senior in high school. And don't be laughing, Paul. I was a senior in high school, and I was hanging out with my friends. And it was kind of a late night. It was a late Saturday evening, and I had a curfew. I don't know about you, but I had a curfew. Okay, and so I needed to be home by midnight. It's 11.50, and I remember, ah, I have a curfew. Shoot. I'm about, uh, I have 10 minutes to get home, but I realize I'm 15 minutes away. So my 17-year-old brain does the math, does the calculations, and figures plenty of time, right? I just got to drive faster. Hop in my car, say goodbye to my buddies, hit the road. I am making great time. I am going to be sliding in uh, in the nick of time by midnight. And until I see this uh, kind of splash of red and blue in my rearview mirror, kind of poke around the, because I, I, am, I am flying down a country road, probably doing 70-something miles an hour. I think it was 77, um, in like a 55. And the, the, the kind of the irony, well, one of the many ironies that you're about to hear in this story is that I am jamming to the radio. And on the radio at this time, I was listening to Christian radio. And if you remember in the late 90s, there was this huge WWJD phase that we all went through, WWJD bracelets and the shirts and the song that Big Tent Revival put out. It's on the radio, and I am singing in the top of my lungs, what would Jesus do, going about 77 miles an hour. So I get pulled over, I get a lecture, no grace, no mercy, gives me the citation, reminds me, you're underage, so I'm going to have to call your parents to let them know that this happened, um, and make sure you fill out the proper paperwork, because you've got a court date as well. And I mean, it's just a whole thing. So I'm taking us all this in while the song's still playing in the background. And the officer does a U-turn. He pulls away. He goes the opposite direction. And I'm heading back home thinking, now I'm really late for my curfew. Um, but I'm starting to do the math again. If I, what are the odds that I would get pulled over twice in like a five-mile stretch? Probably pretty low. So let's go for it. So I went for it. And I got home in the nick of time, because one of the reasons I want to get home in the nick of time is because what the officer said to me right before he dismissed me by letting me know that he was going to call my parents and let them know what had happened when he got back in his car and on his way back to the office. And so I thought, if I get home in time, I can answer the phone. My folks will never know. Somehow, I made it into my house undetected just snuck into the house, 
and stood over in the kitchen next to the wall where a phone was sitting on the wall. If you remember those of you kids, you may not be aware of this, but a phone used to hang on a wall back in the late 1900s. It was just up on a wall and and you would wait for somebody to call you. And in this instance, in this moment, I knew that I I had to wait just that millisecond for that bell to ring to pick it up, right? So that my parents wouldn't wake up. And I'm pretty quick reflex guy, like, like a cat. And so like, I, as soon as I hear it, yeah, hello? Yes, this is Officer Anderson letting you know that you know, your son was speeding. I had to issue him a citation, make sure he fills out the proper paperwork because there's a court date involved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then he stops and he's like, is this Mr. Tiemann? And yes. Because technically, I, I, that's true. Like, I'm Mr. Teeman. <laughs> my dad is, my mom, my parents watch every week. So I don't know if you remember this story, mom and dad, but. And so, you know, I, he tells what's going on, tells, tells my dad what's happening, and then, and then I, I let him know, yes, we'll be sure to talk to him. We're very disappointed in his behavior. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. Click. And in that moment, like, I exhale, and I'm thinking, okay. I've diverted disaster. I'm in and curfew. My parents are unaware of this, and they did not have to take that call. Whew. All right. Now, how many of the moms in the room have what's called stealth mode? Stealth mode? <laughs> stealth mode. Hang up the phone, and what I see as I begin to kind of get my stuff together and turn to go to my room is, oh, it's my mom leaning up against the refrigerator <laughs> doing one of these. She saw the whole thing. Just watched me. Just watched me play it out. Just let me dig my hole, my grave. Just kept going. And I turned around. I'm just stopped. She's like, why didn't you just tell the truth? Oh. And followed with, wait till I tell your father about it in the morning. Oh. It was done for. It was over. But why didn't I just tell the truth? The truth would have set me free, which is the whole premise of this entire back half of this chapter. It is, we're about to read 30-something verses, so be patient here as we go through this, but the premise has everything to do with the truth, and count how many times he talks about the truth in this passage, how important it is, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is the truth. So if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to get them out, these, um, they're on the phone, they're awesome. iPad, awesome. But I do encourage you to have an actual Bible because if, you know, if power goes out and the grid goes down, the balloon flies over, like, I don't know what's going to happen. You're going to want an actual book. Verse 31, if you don't have your Bible, it's behind me. So follow along. Bear with me here. There we go. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly. And if you remember a few months ago, had the opportunity to teach, we talked about what truly, truly meant. Truly, truly means hear ye, hear ye. What I'm about to say has, I have all the authority to say what I'm about to say. Truly, truly is very important anytime you see it in scripture. So he says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. 
The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. Then they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Understand what they're implying here, right? Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. They're having a bit of a tussle here, a little bit of a kind of a who's your daddy situation, <laughs> like my dad can whip your dad kind of thing going on. Verse 48, the Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. But you have not known him, I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do not know him, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day and he saw it and was glad. And the Jews said, you are not yet 50 years old, and how have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, and Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Wow. Lord, would you give us insight into your word today? Would you give us wisdom? Thank you for the opportunity to be able to be in your house with like-minded folks, those that would um, just pursue your word, and Lord, would you work in our hearts today? Help us to leave differently than when we came in. May we just listen to your truth today, in Jesus' name. What a passage. Very tense. There's a lot going on here. And really, it's the entire, um, the, the entire chapter. Chapter 8 is basically that way the entire time. But I really want to hone in on those two key verses, verse 31 and 32. Verse 31 and 32. 
So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When we hear the truth will set you free, we, um, we immediately kind of use that, I should say our culture has used that to kind of talk about like personal autonomy and um, this independence and, and freedom and liberty that we use. Like it, it's kind of been used almost in a political sense in some ways. Um, the truth will set you free. You see it on universities and colleges um, and schools. Many times it's in there in that when you enter in a campus um, over the gates, it'll say the truth will set you free. And many times it's, it's really it's completely taken out of context. It's, it's being used to think that knowledge in academia and in insight will free your mind. That's the implication is how they use that verse. But it's not at all what Jesus is talking about. And kind of the goal today is to take that phrase, the truth will set you free, and put it back in context for what it actually means. Kind of a fun fact, too, as well. John 8.32 is inscribed. It's it's in stone um, in the entryway into the headquarters of the Central Intelligence Agency. <laughs> the truth will set you free. The irony there is unbelievable. It's just... All right, don't get me started. Don't get me started. So we got three main points today. Remain in the truth. Know the truth. Truth is freedom. Remain in the truth. Know the truth. Truth is freedom. Starting with verse 31 that we would abide in his word. You are truly my disciples. Depending on the version you have, it may say, hold, abide, stay, rest, live, continue, that we continue in his word. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful word, and John uses it, or John um, takes it from Jesus, where Jesus is, uses it here, but he also uses it um, in John chapter 15. Verse four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. He is the vine, we are the branches. Abide in him, rest in him, stay in him, remain in the truth. The importance of us just reading scripture today. I appreciated Chad reading from scripture during worship. It's, it's kind of, it's not kind of, it is one of our core tenets at Conduit that we will, of all the hills to die on as a, as a church body, this, the, the inerrant word, the absolute truth that we find in scripture is something that we are going to hold to. Amen. We will never deviate from, we will always preach the word of God. Amen. Because it's true and because it's changed our lives radically. And so we hold to that and he's calling us to abide in him, remain in his word. May this be a part of our regular day, every day. Not a check-in, not a part-time thing, just a drive-by with his word, but no, like completely immersed in scripture. I came across this quote that kind of describes what it means to abide in the word, welcoming it, being at home with it, living with it so continuously that it becomes part of the believer's life, a permanent influence and stimulus in every fresh advance in goodness and holiness that it's a normal repetition, it's a normal part of our day that we can't go one day without spending time in the word. It's important, it's vital, it's the bread of life. He starts off the entire book with John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, the word was God. 
To know the word is to know the Father. John 17, 17, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means just to set apart. Set apart yourselves in truth. How important is that right now in the culture that we live, that we would set apart ourselves in something that's actually true, that we would sanctify ourselves in truth, that his word is truth. And perhaps the world that we live in right now is evidence of a few generations straying from the importance of being in the word. There's a survey that came out this past fall in October put out by Summit Ministries and a a couple different um, groups that came together to to put this poll of a 1,000 adults. And it looks like this. If you're 56 to 65, roughly 70% of you would believe there's absolute truth. 70% would believe that there's absolute truth. Two generations later, perhaps your grandkids answer the same question, and 42% of them would say that there's absolute truth. And in fact, the the majority of that age group would say that their own version of truth is the truth they believe in, their version, defined by how they feel. It's an alarming number to know that just in two generations, 25% of those perhaps in this room, have declined their belief in an absolute truth. And so one of the ways that that we can help direct and guide and disciple this next generation is to double down on teaching the word. Eric Newberry, who was just up here, who did mediocre announcements, he, um, I'm just kidding, it was fantastic. He's our young adults pastor, and he leads a group of young adults Each Tuesday, there's been roughly 70 young adults that have been joining every Tuesday to do one thing, study the word. It's an incredible thing that's happening here, guys. It is not too late to take back culture. It is not too late. When we're outside of these four walls and we see all the news articles and we see everything that's happening in our world, it's discouraging. It's discouraging. It is. But it's not too late. We have a bunch of world changers in our midst that can turn this whole thing around if we remain in his word. And if you are in that age range, if you're a young adult and you're asking the hard questions and maybe, you've, maybe it's never been modeled for you ever, you have no idea what living like a, a, a Jesus disciple looks like. You've never had that model. You've never been shown the way. We invite you to participate with us on that on Tuesday evenings. We would love to come inside, alongside you in this journey. Abide in me, remain in the truth. Once we remain in the truth, he goes on to talk in verse 32 that then you will know the truth. You remain in the truth, you will then know the truth. The Jews in this passage, as they're starting to get a little tense, is because they're thinking their freedom that he's talking about is something that they inherited from their dad, right? Well, their great, great, great grandfather Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. So are you. But they were totally missing the point. They thought that they inherited their freedom, 
They thought that it was just something that was handed to them. They were completely missing the point that they were still slaves to sin. They were slaves to sin, but in this passage, starting in verses 33, 34, 35, and 36, Jesus starts to use an analogy here, a household analogy where he reminds them that you are no longer slaves to sin. You are now a child of God. You are now in the household of faith as sons and daughters that receive an inheritance, a true inheritance of everlasting life for those that believe. That's a big difference. And Jesus is trying to tell them and they keep missing it over and over and over It is not something you inherit. In fact, it's not something that you do. You can't earn this. And that's what the Pharisees were trying to do. If if you keep these laws, you keep all of these commandments, then you will experience freedom. If you just don't sin, just don't sin, don't do it. It's not about what you do. It's not about who you are. It was about a belief in that Jesus was who he said he was, the truth that he was the truth. In fact, John chapter one, verses nine through 14. I love commentaries. They're very helpful. One of the best commentaries of scripture is scripture. So helpful. John chapter one, nine through 14, actually somehow, it's amazing, summarizes what's happening here. Says this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, which was last week's sermon, if you missed it, Darren taught on the light of the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. It's incredible. I love how scripture all ties together. And it's, it can seem almost repetitive, but he's saying it over and over and over in the many ways that he can to try to describe the power of who he was coming as the Messiah to free them from their sin. He transforms their status from slaves to sin the child of God. So what's the point? What's the point of this? The point is, what he's trying to say is the truth isn't a what, it's a who. The truth isn't a what, it's a who. Do you know the truth? Do you know, capital T, the truth? That's his name. The truth isn't a what, it's a who. And many times we get caught in the, the academics of it all, the, the brain knowledge of it all. We don't know him like we should. But he says, if you remain in his word, you will truly be my disciples and you will know me. He gives us a, a, a description of how we can truly know who he is by remaining in him. John fourteen six. I am the way. I am the, I am the, Life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we love that verse, and it's a powerful verse, but we forget the very next verse, verse seven. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And the best part is, he knows you and he sees you. 
What a beautiful passage of scripture that reminds us that if we just believe on who Jesus said that he was, that we walk into an inheritance of being sons and daughters of Christ and everything that comes with that. You know, I've said this before, and I regretted it, and I'll say it again. But when my kids, who are both, I have two boys who are both married and grown, uh, and I'm now a grandpa, by the way. Thank you, guys. Good job. Let's go. Um, But when they come to visit, because they're my sons and daughters, they have free reign. Like, they can come raid the pantry and the fridge because they're, they're welcome. That's part of the inheritance. Your inheritance is the pantry. I'm sorry. I mean, it's kind of where we're at right now. And what's funny, because I mentioned this like a f- several months ago when I was teaching something similar, and every time they come and raid the pantry now, they remind me that I said that, which was a bad idea. So I don't know if you've, yeah. I don't know if you've had a couple 21-year-old boys raid your refrigerator and pantry, uh, but we went grocery shopping the next day. But it's part of the inheritance. You have, you're part of the household of faith. And what Jesus wants to bless us and give us everything possible. Our Father wants to be with us. He wants to spend time with us. And he wants to honor us. He wants to give us, give us those blessings. He wants to be able to hear our hearts and meet us, our needs. Our freedom in Christ isn't about independence and autonomy. It's about intimacy and availability to Christ. This passage, the truth will set you free, is something that we've used as this this motto, this phrase about independence and autonomy. I have freedom to do whatever I want. That's not at all what he is saying here. He's saying you, you are free from sin and death and now free to access me in my kingdom. You're free to now be with me. You have the availability to come sit in my lap and be a son or a daughter. It's about intimacy and availability to Christ, that that's the freedom that we have. Ephesians 2, 18 and 19. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. That's some really good news. That's what it means to know the truth, to have, to have access to the throne, to our Father, to our Heavenly Father, that he sees you, that he knows you, that we can know him. Truth is freedom. The back part of that passage, verse 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what? free from sin and death and eternal separation from the Father, I can't imagine a darker place than to be completely separated from our creator for all of eternity. We're free from that. Those that believe, those that remain in him, those that abide in him, those that are all in, that believe that he was who he said he was, that he was the Messiah. We are free from death. This is the gospel. We are now free to have access to the Father. That word freedom there means exempt from liability. We're exempt from all liability that comes with our sin nature. Exempt. The ultimate exemption status. We are exempt. We are free. 
And in verse 52, he says it a couple times in the back half of this chapter, of chapter eight. If anyone keeps my word, if anyone guards my word, what that really means, if anyone keeps my word, guards my word, abides in my word, stays with my word, he will never taste death. That's good news. That's the good news of the gospel. We will not taste death. And freedom from sin and death comes from relationship with Christ. And the, the hardest part of accepting the truth is humility. It takes humility. It takes us to humble ourselves, to humble our hearts, to humble our idea of what my truth is, this ambiguous thing with no definition humbling ourselves in a way that submits ourselves to the Father as the truth, as the life. Humility. We live in a world and a culture right now where they're, they're defining truth, right? They're, they're, the world is coming up with different ways to, to describe what that even means. And it's exhausting because it changes every day. Like I, I mean, what meant something yesterday does not mean that today. And it's these, almost these traps we get into of in these cultural ideas of what truth means. And isn't it awesome to be able to have this ever, never changing word of God that's the standard? Amen. It's the standard. And it's, it's rang true for generations and generations. His principles remain. His, his word is a lamp into our feet and a light to our path. This is something that we can hold on to. And by spending time in here, we get to know the truth of the Father and a relationship with the Father. We're not alone. Last verse I want to share this morning is 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is spirit. The Lord's Spirit was here this morning during worship. We just sang these songs, no longer, you are no longer slaves to fear, no longer slaves to sin, but now a child of God. The Spirit was in the room, and there was freedom that was felt. There was freedom that we could, that we could understand to know that, that this world is, we're just passing through. This is temporary, but we have work to do. There's a sense of urgency, Right? that we can come in on a Sunday or throughout the week, but specifically on a Sunday with like-minded believers, hear the incredible songs, be encouraged by, by worship, taking time in communion, being reminded of the power of the blood and the body broken, being reminded of this truth in scripture. We take all this in so that we can go out into the world and be the light, the salt, because there's work to be done to remind a lost and dying world that there is a truth a truth worth living for. And one of the things that we want to invite our church family into um, is something called Overflow Nights. And we're going to do one this Wednesday. We talk about where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We want to invite you this Wednesday. It's something we're going to do quarterly, perhaps. But just a time of worship and rest. At 6.30 to 8.30, just for a couple hours, maybe with a musician or two, just quiet a time of prayer, a time of reading of scripture, and just, and not be afraid of the silence, 
from a chaotic, wild world that we live in that's coming at us 100 miles an hour. But on Wednesday nights, we want to invite you to these overflow nights, just a time of refreshing, a time to, um, to meet with others, pray with others, worship with others, so we can be refueled and go back into the battlefield. We're going to do that this Wednesday. We invite you to come to that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and anything could happen. Freedom in your, in your, your relationships, your marriages, your finances, in your health. When the spirit of the Lord is moving and working through a body of believers coming together, through worship, through prayer, through teaching, we are unstoppable. An unstoppable force for the kingdom. So we want to invite you to that Remain in the word this week. I want to challenge you guys. I want to challenge us. You would remain in the word. I don't know what that looks like for you. I think we all probably have different definitions of what that is. But I want to challenge you to remain in the word, however that looks. It could be listening to, listening to scripture. It could be reading scripture. It could be talking about it with friends and different Bible studies that we have. Um, spend time in the word this week consistently. Know the truth. Hide it in your heart. Let it guide you, direct you. Do not be swayed from the things of the world and the the different things that are happening outside of here, but that we would be guided and directed by the truth of his word, full stop. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, thank you for a full house. Lord, thank you for a full house of believers that want to hear your voice. Lord, they want to hear from you directly, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word, through the fellowship of one another, Lord, through times of prayer. Lord, we seek your face. Lord, we know we've got work to do. Lord, it is not too late. Lord, you're coming quick. You're coming for a pure bride, Lord, and it's time for us to get to work. But may we spend time with you Spend time in your word. Lord, thank you for speaking the truth to us in love. Thank you for being our standard. May we pursue you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.